we remember God's goodness. Days are difficult, but God in his grace and mercy has been sustaining us. And so every time this is an opportunity also just to thank God for all that he has been to us during the past week and for giving us this time to worship him, to study the word of God. This itself is a great blessing for all of us. I would request Pastor Prem to lead us in a time of prayer. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. Lord, as Pastor said, Lord, during this difficult times, challenging times, uncertain times, fearful times, Father, you are our rock, you are our refuge. Father, we can be thankful to you, Lord, in the midst of all this fear and Lord Master uncertainty. Father, we thank you for giving us that privilege, the grace to come together, to study together your precious word. Father, I pray that none of us will come to learn, Lord, to have a head knowledge of what the, revelation, the book of Revelation tells us. What are the signs and symbols and Lord Master, the, the things that are going to take place in the last days. Father, help us, Lord, to come to study so that our lives are transformed, yes, purified, yes, cleansed, dedicated, Lord, to live for you and to serve you. We pray that your anointing will rest upon pastor and Lord, he will be able to have your wisdom, your insight to teach us and we will all learn and grow in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Prem, for leading us in a time of prayer. I would request all of you to use the chat box as you get questions uh, because we cannot see you face to face. But use this chat box uh, liberally so that we can interchange our, exchange our thoughts, our questions, because we are here to learn from each other. So whenever you get an opportunity, make use of this chat box. Uh, let's always remember as we study this book of Revelation, this is the revelation from Jesus Christ. You know, our God, God himself gives his revelation. It is about Jesus Christ. It is of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ himself is speaking to us. And let's listen to his words. It's not a pastor speaking. The words are of Jesus Christ. And let's listen to his words and let's ask God to minister to each one of us as we go through his words. It is not only addressed to the churches of that time, it is addressed to us today uh, in 2020, God speaking to us. Uh, today we will see the letter to the church in Thyatira. We find this in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 to 19, 29. We have finished the letters to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon. And now today we come to uh, Thyatira. Now, all the previous three churches, uh, we saw they were important religious center. So let's see about this church, Thyatira. It is just 45 miles southeast of Pergamon. So anyone walking from Pergamon, for 45 miles, you'll be able to reach uh, Thyatira. And this place was of considerable commercial interest because 
there were many traders and artisans in this place. Now, if you look at the ancient records, it shows that there were many trade associations in this place. Uh, they call it as guilds or trade association. There were many trade associations in this place. So basically it was a commercial center. Uh, many were traders and business activity was their main concern. Now, as I told you earlier, unlike Smyrna or Pergamum, uh, Tayatra was not an important religious center, uh, but it was an important trade center. The god they worshipped in this place was Greek sun god known as Apollo. Uh, that's the god they worshipped in that place. Now the pressure that came to the Christians in this place is from the trade associations. You know, if you want to hold a job, if you are looking for some economic employment, or if you're looking for some economic opportunity, business opportunity, you have to be either, uh, you have to be a member of uh, this trade association. So if you are not a member of a trade association, it is very difficult to have a job or to do some business. It's something, uh, it reminds us uh, or it resembles something that we find in Revelation chapter 13, uh, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So basically, um, if you want to do business, you have to be a member of this trade association. Now, archaeologists, they mentioned that there were several trade associations. Uh, we, are, we are in an advanced state, so when we look back, these, this place had so many trade associations, it still shows uh, how vibrant it was commercially. There were several trade associations for wool workers, uh, linen workers, makers of outer garments, uh, dyers, uh, leather workers, tanners, potters, bakers, slave dealers and bronze myths. Now, these are archeological evidence that there were so many trade associations in this place. So they were, uh, they were busy in commercial activities. Now, when you, are, when you study about the trade associations, uh, these trade associations had certain religious features. Now, at least once in a month, these trade associations will have a common meal with all its members and they will meet in a temple. Now, when they meet in a temple, what they do is they will sacrifice an animal and then by the time they complete their meeting, the food will be ready and they will eat that animal that was offered as a sacrifice. Now, this was a difficult problem for Christians. Now, if they become members of this organization, they have to participate in this monthly activity, in this trade association activity. And if they eat the meat that is offered to the idol, then they are unfaithful to our Lord 
Jesus Christ. Now, if they choose not to become members of this association, they cannot do business. So they, they cannot earn their living. So now they were having difficult problem. Christians were facing difficult problem. Uh, socially and economically, they were all, uh, Christians were isolated. Now, if they join them, they, they felt that they're going against the uh, word. And if they don't join, there is no income. And Thyatira was just coming up at that time, commercially, economically, it was just coming up. People just started making money. Now, this is a problem. When we just start making money, money becomes very important for us. When we come from a lower income group, and when we start earning more, money starts taking control of our life, our money becomes very important. And that was happening in Thyatira because as a, as a city, it was just like we saw in Bangalore as to how people started making money, uh, especially in our area. And then what happened now? So money was their main motivation. So the first verse uh, that is addressed to this church is found in two of God whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Now there is a significant change in wording in the wording here compared to the vision in Revelation in 1 12 to 16 because we till now we, we have been seeing that you know if the introduction to each church comes from taking a part of that vision and addressing the church. Now here also it's a part of the vision that we saw in Revelation chapter one verses 12 to 16, but there is a significant change in the wording. Uh, I don't know, I'm sure you'll be able to notice that. What is that significant change? To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. All those who have noticed the difference, we, I'm sure you would have noticed the difference and you can write, you can type out your answers in that chat box. Now the, the significant difference is I said these are the letters from Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is addressing himself as son of God because in Revelation chapter 1 you will find it as son of man and son of man has been changed to son of God. Now whatever feature that's taken from the vision that best uh, fits the situation in that church. So just by seeing that introduction, whose eyes are like blazing fire. When we saw the vision itself, we saw that I, whose eyes are like blazing fire means God can see us through. In and, in and out, he can see us through and we cannot pretend any uh, hypocrisy. 
so if if that is the feature of the vision that is being addressed in this particular church whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze that gives an indication that god is going to act as the divine judge because whose eyes are like blazing fire means is going to act as divine judge now it is uh, when these people were also worshiping uh, apollo who is considered to be the deity associated with the prophecy and the sun so here there is somebody brighter than the sun who is here there is somebody who is a creator of the sun so that, that's what we learn from the uh, introduction these are the words of the son of god whose eyes are like blazing fire so god is going to judge this church or the penetrating eyes of god is seeing this church and let's see what he finds with this uh, blazing uh, with this gaze with this kind of look now this is a letter addressed to thyatira uh, can you think of any other place where the word thyatira appears in the bible besides revelation uh, is there anywhere else we find the word thyatira in the bible if you want to speak you can speak you can unmute and speak or if you want to type it out you can type it out okay uh pastor prem can you just read the answers in the chat box mic mic unmute the mic uh from rachel uh the book of acts yeah that's correct uh, uh there are there are two chats one more no the other one is the first question son of man was the son of god oh good very good okay uh, rachel you are right that we find in the book of acts because we are trying to find out who founded the church in thyatira uh, so in order to find out we find only one more reference that's in the book of acts uh, 16 14 to 15 one of those listening was a woman from the city of thyatira named lydia a dealer in purple cloth she was a worshipper of god the lord opened her heart to respond to paul's message when she and the members of her household were baptized she invited us her to to her home if you consider me a believer in the lord she said come and stay at my house and she persuaded us so probably maybe the uh, lydia and her family when they went back to thyatira they could have founded this church uh, we cannot say this with certainty but we can only say probably maybe uh, lydia and here it clearly says when she and the members of her household so when lydia and her um, family went back they could have established this church so we go to the next reference revelation chapter 2 was 19 i know your deeds your love and faith your service and perseverance and that you are now doing more than you did at first see the commendation you know the first thing is commendation you know jesus christ is commending this church 
I know your love. I know your faith. I know your service. I know your perseverance. And that you are now doing more than you did at first. When we looked at the church at Ephesus, God said, you're losing what you were doing in the first place. Your first love is not there. But here the commendation is you're doing more than you did at first. And God is appreciating them. He's, there are sincere Christians in this place. And Jesus Christ is commending them for their efforts, telling them to remain faithful. The, Jesus Christ is telling, I know your deeds, your love, and your faith, love for God and for one another. You know, I know your love. You have your love for me. There are sincere Christians in Thyatira who's, who sincerely love God and they have faith in God in the midst of all these difficulties. And what they do, they go out and serve others. Not only they serve others, they persevere. Not one day, two day, they're consistent in their service. These, Christ, these Christians in Thyatira were reliable people. They, you know, you can depend on them and they were consistent in their service. And because they had that love and faith, they went out to meet the needs of others. It's very important. Love and faith will always show in meeting out the needs of others. So they've been commended and uh, they've been all the more commended. They're doing now more than you did at first. Now we come to the next verse, Revelation 2.20. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, uh, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. Now, who is Jezebel in the Old Testament? Who is Jezebel in the Old Testament? Ahab's wife. Yeah, correct. She is Ahab's wife. Uh, now, in this particular church, I said it was not a religious center. Tathara was not a religious center. Now, whatever problems they were facing, it is not even external persecution like we saw in other churches. Uh, what they were facing was internal compromise. There was a woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet and she was misleading the people. Now, God says, I have this against you. And it is very important for all the pastors in this group to notice, I have this against you it is a singular pronoun. So because it's a singular pronoun, I have this against you. Uh, Jesus Christ is specifically telling to the leader of the church. In the, in the present day terms, it is the pastor of the church. So Jesus is warning the pastor of the church for this condition. Nevertheless, I have this against you. The church was also guilty, but uh, the main charge is against the pastor because he has tolerated or he has allowed the wrong kind of preaching. So it's very important for a pastor to always ensure 
that the word of God is preached rightly. It is divided rightly, whether sometimes people may not like it, but it is, it is his calling to ensure that the word of God is always preached rightly. It's not the question of how attractive people are attracted to a particular kind of teaching. No, that is not the focus. The word of God should transform our lives and that should be the focus. So the woman calls herself a prophet. Now we, we know what happened uh, in the life of Jezebel. Jezebel was a Phoenician uh, queen who married Ahab. And, and she corrupted the faith of Israel completely. Because we see this in Second uh, Kings 9.22. When Jeroham saw, Joram saw Jehu, he asked, have you come in peace, Jehu? How can there be peace? Jehu replied, as long as all the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother, Jezebel, abound. Can you imagine? One person's influence corrupted the entire nation. One wrong teaching can influence the entire community. So it is not only the responsibility of the pastor, it's also the responsibility of all the members in the church to evaluate or to examine what they are hearing, what they are listening. It's not just because pastor spoke, it's divine truth. It is divine truth only if it is spoken from the word of God. So it is the responsibility of all in the church to evaluate this. In 1 Kings 16, 31, 33 says, he not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel. The very marriage has been condemned in this place. Because the moment he married Jezebel, he began to serve Baal and worship him. Not only Baal and worship him, he added one more God. Ahab also made an Asherah pole. See the influence. When you are sliding in your life, you will not know how fast you are sliding. We need to be careful. When we are anytime there is a slide in our spiritual life, we slide very, very fast. When, when we lack interest in small, small uh, activities, spiritual activities, that's the time for us to take stock of our own inner condition because we are soon on a slippery path. It happened to Ahab from the Ahab, it'll also happen to any one of us when we lose interest in the word of God, in, in, in praying, in just remembering God, in thanking him. Remember, we are on a slippery road and that's what happened to Ahab. And Revelation 2.21 says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. Now, whenever we come across this word immorality, uh, we should not always link it with uh, sexual immorality, uh, whenever people go away from God, when they compromise their faith, uh, the Bible calls them, uh, terms it as immorality. Uh, we should just keep that in mind. So God is still a loving God, 
God is still giving her time to repent of her immorality, but uh, she is not willing to repent. Because in Revelation 2.23, it says, I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now, when Bible uses this phrase, her children dead, literally does not mean her biological children. It is basically, it refers to disciples or followers of God. You know, when God uses this word as children, I will strike her children dead. It's, it's a figurative verse that we phrase that we find here then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. Now in the Old Testament, it is only God who searches our hearts and minds. Now Jesus Christ taking that phrase, I am he who searches hearts and minds, is telling us, is affirming his deity. He is God. Jesus Christ is God. He's affirming that deity, I am he who searches hearts and minds. I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now, Jesus Christ's judgment will always be based on our deeds. Now, listen to this carefully. Uh, we, we, the innocent people will not be punished along with the guilty. Not at all. But the judgment will be based on our deeds uh, because the works have always been the basis for divine judgment. Now, when I say the works have always been the basis for divine judgment, uh, we should also be very clear. Salvation is by faith. Salvation is by faith, but people's deeds reveal their spiritual condition. Now, if God wants to reward us, it will be based on our deeds and our spiritual condition uh, can be examined by our deeds. We can, we can examine our own spiritual condition with, with a kind of deeds because when God was commending this church, he says, I appreciate you. I have noticed your love and faith. And your love and faith, out of your love and faith, you went out to serve others. You know, love and faith alone is not enough. It was revealed by their deeds. So saving faith, true, genuine saving faith will inevitably express itself in good works. Uh, that is the mark of a true Christian. Salvation is by faith, but people's deeds reveal their spiritual condition. Now we go to the next verse. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to a teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Now God is addressing the genuine Christians in the church. Uh, there were genuine Christians in the church. He's telling them, you know, you do not hold on to the teachings of that prophet Jezebel. 
you have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. Now, basically, these deep secrets are nothing. Uh, uh, it's not really deep secrets. Uh, it is basically that uh, people have been attracted to wrong teaching. Uh, uh, I think whenever we get carried away with, uh, you know, with teachings that are so attractive to us, we need to step back and ask ourselves whether this is in line with the word of God. Uh, Satan's so-called deep secret, basically it is to compromise your commitment to the genuine faith. Uh, whatever teaching from whoever, however big that person may be. You know, Paul said, if somebody else comes and even from heaven, if he comes and teaches you other than the gospel we have preached, uh, let him be cursed. You know, so the teachings are very important. And here somebody was compromised. I said, here the opposition is not from outside. It is from within the church. Uh, so they were compromising their commitment to God. Now, we should not uh, minimize the problems they were facing. We really don't know exactly what kind of problems they were facing. Uh, maybe it was if they don't join the guild, that is the trade association, uh, they were not able to make any money in that place, maybe. So there were some teaching which justified you can be a member also, you can do this also, could have taken place there. Um, now, every generation of Christians uh, have to face this one question. How far should I accept and adopt contemporary standards and practices? How far should I accept and adopt contemporary standards and practices? All of us have to face this question. Our children will face question in their days to come. And they have to come with an answer how much they can accept, to what extent they can follow. They cannot blindly follow, but they have to evaluate and take a stand. Now then in Revelation 22, 26, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nation. Uh, what is more important is one who does my will to the end. We have to persevere in our faith. It is not just for time being we are faithful. We have to persevere till, till the end. And then I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery just as they have received authority, as just as I have received authority from my father. Uh, Jesus is basically quoting from Psalm chapter two. Uh, he's quoting that verse, uh, basically to say that Jesus is greater than the most powerful emperor the world has ever known. Jesus Christ is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Today, we might think he is powerful, that man is powerful, that country is powerful, but Jesus Christ is more powerful than all, any world, any ruler the world has ever known. He is the ruler of the kings of the earth. 
which we saw in chapter one itself. And then in verse 28, he says, I'll also give that one, the morning star. There are two promises to the genuine Christians in the church of Thyatira. One is uh, they, will have, they will be part of the messianic rule over the nations. That is one promise. The second promise is Christ will give them the morning star. Uh, when we read this morning star, literally doesn't mean that God will bring one star and give it on our hand. It's not talking about that literal star. It's like, it's a metaphor saying that a new day will come. The fulfillment of hope will come. You know, the day dawns after, the, after a long night. Uh, it's, it's that kind of an expression that is meant in this place. Uh, now, John's uh, symbolism in the, about the morning star, uh, we find one more reference in the book of Revelation in 22.16. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. So Jesus is saying, I am the bright morning star. So the promise to the genuine believers in, in the church at Tayatira is, I will give myself to you. We will have the, you know, Christ is pledging us, he's promising us to give himself. And you know, there cannot be a greater price than that. We should be excited that having Christ is the most glorious thing in our lives. Now with that, the letter to Thyatira ends, or as years let him hear and all that. Uh, now, what are the lessons we can learn from this church? What are the lessons we can learn from this church? Pastor Prem, does any answers? What are the lessons we can learn from this church? You can unmute your mic, please. Unmute your mic, please. There was a question from verse 19. Uh, Catherine had asked, uh, now doing the first, uh, you're doing more than what you did first. Is it refers to the deeds alone or all three? Deeds, love and faith. Uh, all four, love, faith, service and perseverance. In all the four, they were excelling. As they, in fact, you will be able to do deeds only if your love keeps increasing. Because after some time, you will lose um, you know, that perseverance to continue serving others. Serving others without any expectation is not an easy thing. And only the Spirit of God can enable us to do that. And so they were growing in all the four, love, faith, service, and perseverance. Anything else, Pastor? Uh, I've just asked, uh, no, I've just said uh, one of the lessons, we must continue to excel in our service okay. and love to God and be careful of uh, the teaching, okay. you know, to study ourselves. Good, yes. Okay. Uh, this has been, uh, we can just classify it in three different ways. 
the first lesson that we learn from this church is the seriousness of tolerating sin because they tolerated the teachings of the prophet Jezebel uh, that's where the church was being judged for that so we should be very careful uh, we should not be attracted to all kinds of teaching uh, we sometimes we we don't sit and evaluate uh, introspect every time you hear a sermon i always keep telling as i said earlier this devil always uh, distorts the truth at the 39th decimal so it's a little bit of that dilution of teaching uh, which spreads the cancer of uh, wrong teaching so we should be careful about that that's the lesson we learn and god will judge god will judge the unrepentant sin in the church the second lesson we learn is obedience marks true christians if that is why deeds uh, however we may shout and we may cry and we may say all the nice things it is the obedience whatever god has asked us to do it is in that obedience in small small things when i was teaching about the book of daniel i said that uh, daniel's power did not come from eating vegetarian food or non vegetarian food it is just in obeying god uh, just in obeying whatever god asks us to do a small help a small word of kindness uh, these small acts of obedience they mark true christians and the third one is god will give himself jesus christ will give himself if we if we obey him uh, that's the greatest promise we as we obey him the promise that we have is we will experience all the fullness of christ what more uh, do we need uh, pastor any questions before we go to the next letter no questions so far okay we go to the next letter the next letter is addressed to the church in sardis <clears throat> we have already seen ephesus smyrna pergamum thyatira and now we are in sardis uh, sardis was a busy and comma uh, industrial city <clears throat> it is just 30 miles south of thyatira from thyatira if you walk 30 miles you will reach uh, sardis sardis was a busy commercial industrial city history says it was uh, it was the junction of five important roads uh, in this place and this was also the capital of the ancient region called lydia now sardis was located on a hill top but twice it was captured uh, once it was captured by the persian persian king and uh, once it was captured by antiochus the great that's the greek man 
uh, in AD 17, what happened was the city was completely devastated. It was completely destroyed by, a, by an earthquake. So after that, uh, the emperor Tiberius, what he did was he remitted the taxes for five years. You know, what's happening in the, uh, in the present days and what's happening in those days, there's nothing different. History just repeats itself. So the emperor Tiberius, he remitted the tax for five, five years and the city was rebuilt. And once again, it began to flourish as a woolen center. Though the city had lost its former glory, uh, still it was known for its wealth and also for its luxurious and immoral uh, living. So this is the kind of city. <clears throat> so we go to Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Uh, Jesus Christ presents himself as one who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. In other words, basically he's telling the sovereign control he has over the churches. Jesus Christ has that sovereign control over the churches and also he is the source of spiritual power. Jesus Christ is the source of uh, spiritual power. Now, this is not a commendation. See, you, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Uh, you know, this is a condemnation. Uh, no condemnation could be sharper than this. Uh, you know, he says you are a dead church. The church in Sardis, Jesus Christ is telling in the very beginning of the, his letter that you are a dead church. This is nominal Christianity. You may, have, you may have a large building, you may have thousands of people, but when, when Christ is not there, it's a dead church. So Jesus Christ is warning them, be careful. Because when the spirit of God is not there, uh, the church becomes dead. And Sardis church was an example of that kind of church. So they, they immediately wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, hold it fast and repent. You know, he's, God is not saying, I'll destroy you. Jesus Christ is not telling, I'll destroy you. Jesus Christ is warning them. There is a warning given out of love. He says, wake up, strengthen, remember, hold it fast is basically obey and repent. So these are the five requirements for this church. The five requirements for this dead church is, or for any dead church, wake up. We need to wake up and we need to strengthen whatever little good is in there, in there in the church, we should strengthen those things. And we should remember, we should remember what Christ has done for us 
and we should obey and repent. If we do all the five things, a dead church can become an alive, a lively church. So that is the first warning that comes. And then in verse three, it says, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Interesting. There is an interesting phrase in this verse, I will come like a thief. Now, what is the significance of the phrase, I will come like a thief? wants to type it out or you want to speak what is the significance of the phrase i will come like a thief so we won't know the time nobody knows the time and date yes good very good and daniel what, daniel yes. has written second coming kirti uh, has written uh, god's coming okay yes uh, we all uh, tend to think uh, yeah it, is it is it uh, related to second coming or uh, is it what what now first we will sort out this phrase i will come like a thief now to you and me uh, we have to try to unravel the meaning behind this phrase i'll come like a thief as i told you earlier sardis was sardis was located on a hilltop so it's it's very location gave the city its security so people in sardis they thought that nobody can attack them they are very safe because it's very difficult to climb those steep uh, hills but the you know the persian army uh, led by cyrus actually defeated the king of sardis in the plains and this king came to sardis and he felt so confident, overconfident, and he didn't care. But Cyrus pursued him and he conquered Sardis by scaling one by one the steep walls. The soldiers found a small gap. One by one, they climbed the steep walls and they conquered the city in 549 BC. Same way, History repeated itself once more when Antiochus, the great, the great, he conquered Sardis. He engaged one mountain climber from Crete and then he conquered. So when he says, I'll come like a thief, uh, you know, he's basically Jesus telling them, don't become so complacent. Don't be overconfident. You know, you also thought that nobody can overtake you. You know in your history, Persians overran, the Greek conquered you. So I will come like a thief. That's what Jesus is telling them. So now uh, Jesus is warning them, I will come at an un unexpected hour. So who will come like a thief when? Who will come like a thief and when? Pastor, any answers? Who will come like a thief when? Uh, there are two. Uh, one answer, rapture. Okay. Sharon promotes rapture. Jesus will be coming. Okay. Okay. God sent. Okay. God. 
Okay, Pastor. Thank you, Pastor. Now, let's be very clear. This is not at all a reference to second coming. This is not a reference to the second coming. Now, why do we say it is not a reference to the second coming? In this verse, or it is not a reference to the rapture. Why do we say that? Because if you read Revelation 3, 3, it says, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. Now, whether they wake up or they don't wake up, Christ will come in his second coming. But here it says, if you do not wake up, I'll come like a thief. So it is not referring to the second coming. In other words, Christ keeps coming to us in different ways. To, he, he keeps coming and there is a limited type of judgment that keeps taking place in this world. Uh, so it is referring to that kind of a, a localized judgment. If you do not come, I'll come like a thief. Verse 4 says, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. The, the, though the situation was critical, yet it was not hopeless. You still have few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. Now, archaeologists have found inscriptions uh, posted in pagan shrines, especially in Asia Minor, that uh, indicates that those who wore dirty clothes were excluded from worship because they were an insult to the gods. Uh, but the meaning here is probably symbolic. Uh, symbols, the clothes symbolizing the purity of Christian life. Uh, we have in Zechariah chapter 3, 3 to 5, now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Uh, we have that mention of this clothes. Now in, in Revelation 3, 4, it says they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. People who are sincere, they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. Jesus Christ promises the faithful few that they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. Now, if you know about the Qumran community, uh, the members of the Qumran community, they wore white garments as a symbol of their inner purity. Uh, they wore that clothes. Now, white was also the color used by the Roman emperor uh, when he has defeated uh, other countries. It's a triumphal position. The, the white was a color that was used. In the Old Testament, white also signifies heaven because in Daniel chapter 7, 9, as I looked, thrones were set in place and the ancient of days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. And in Ecclesiastes, it talks about festivity. Always be clothed in white and uh, always anoint your head with oil. That's a time of celebration. So in Revelation 3, 5, it says, the one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. Basically, all this emphasizes 
uh, on victory. Whoever is victorious will be like them, uh, be dressed in white. And Revelation 3, 5 says, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. We always talk, we hear about the book of life. Now it's good to see that, you know, in this particular case, the promise has been uh, phrased negatively. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life. Now, uh, in the ancient times, uh, registers were kept. Uh, you know, the names of citizens were maintained in registers. And once somebody dies, their names, uh, their name will be erased. It will be just struck from that register. Or if a person is proved to be an anti-national, his name will be erased from the register. Now, this idea of writing name in a register uh, has a long history in Judaism because Moses prayed that God, if God would not forgive the sin of the Israelites in the golden calf episode, uh, then please, Lord, you blot me out of the book you have written. So this is where he says, you just strike off my name. Now in Psalm 69, 28, it says, may they be blotted out of the book in other words, their names are already there, it is presumed. May they be blotted out of the book of life and not be listed with the righteous. Now, when we come to the book of Daniel, that's where we find the first refer reference of book being opened on the day of judgment. Uh, till now, the references we have is, may my name be uh, blotted out from the book. But in, in the book of Daniel, he says the book will be opened on the day of judgment. Uh, Daniel 7.10, he says uh, 10,000 times 10,000 stood. The court was seated and the books were opened. It's, it's, a, it's a time of judgment. In Daniel 12.1, he says everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. Uh, so the, this idea of divine register uh, is, there's frequent mention in the New Testament. It is referred to by Jesus uh, when Jesus says in Luke 10, 20, however, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And Paul is also using this in Philippians chapter 4, 3. He says, whose names are there in the book of life. Uh, John, in the book of Revelation, he refers to this book of life, at least in five different places, he says. But he's not saying the manner in which this book is kept. This is how the book is maintained. He's not saying anything about that. So that's the book of life. So Revelation 3, 5 says, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my father and his angels. Whoever is victorious, Jesus Christ promises that I will acknowledge your name before my father and his angels. 
this is just a repetition of the words of Jesus that we find in the Gospels. It is there in Matthew and in Luke. The, what we can learn from this, from this church in Sardis is, uh, it is a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us to be faithful till the end. Uh, we have finished the letter to Sardis. Uh, now, if you have any questions, you can ask. Uh, sir, can I add a point to? Yeah. Yes, Pastor. Uh, Please go ahead. Uh, um, you mentioned about the uh, church. You know that God will, you uh, know, uh, will destroy the church. And uh, you know, generally people think it is an organization or institution God will destroy. It is individuals who make up the church, uh, you know, who will be, you know, who will be accountable also. It is not just the institution as a church. It is individual who make up the church. Yes, yes. Thank you, Pastor. I wanted to add, I wanted to add that to that. Thank you, Pastor. Welcome, Pastor. Anybody has any questions? Pastor, about the question that you had asked uh, when for the church in Tiyatera, you asked how far should I accept and adopt contemporary standards and practices? So for that, like we just thought that we always need to evaluate it, but practically, Pastor, anything that you can add to that? Uh, you know, uh, each one of us will face unique situation. Uh, it is not the same. Uh, it depends on, uh, you know, in your work environment, in your workplace. Now, uh, in the place where I work, probably people were uh, submitting false medical claims. Now, do you want to become part of it or not? They were submitting false LTC claims without going, just buying a ticket and then canceling it and then make it, doing that. So uh, this is that kind of small, small things that keeps coming, uh, which puts us on a slippery ground. So uh, if, if you are asked to work, how do you compromise or you don't compromise? It could be with regard to your time. Uh, like uh, I think two years ago, there are so many IT professionals who filed uh, false IT returns and they were all caught. So this, this is a kind of challenge uh, which may be in the, in the spiritual realm. We may be able to avoid, we, you know, we may not have much. But in the economic rents, we'll be considered as a fool if we don't follow them. So are we going to compromise or not? So that is uh, for each one of us. That's, that's one of the reasons in the community, uh, we have not come to a place where we share our struggles. We don't say in this job, I am facing this problem. Uh, what should we do? So collectively we sit and we try to find because Wisdom is not with one person. It's not that, you know, uh, we take a verse and we'll be able to say it's applicable to the situation. What we do is we take the biblical principles and four or five of us, will we, we 
take different thoughts and then we have to give a practical solution yeah yeah just a spiritual answer will not help the person so a practical answer so that's why a community is there and that is where i think um, we still lack that kind of a support in at least in indian churches we don't discuss because these are the real problems you face face for the five days in a week from morning till evening uh, there may be different problems should i tolerate a man sending me you know my superior sending me a message like this how do i how do i react so instead of acting on on an individual basis if you come to a community that's why we are members of the same body the community will be able to give a, give up uh, give you a practical answer and that is important if you want to lead a true christian life in this time we need to come out we need to come and discuss and find out instead of uh, on your own trying to find answer yeah pastor thank you thank you rashi uh, so there's a question from catherine uh, uh chapter 3 verse 3 i will come to you is it correct to understand this as i will come upon you instead of literally coming to you can you just repeat that pastor 3 3 Uh, chapter three, verse three. Sister Catherine asks, "I will come to you. Is it correct to understand this as I will come upon you instead of literally coming to you?" Uh, uh, actual that literal translation is, "But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief." Uh, that's the literal translation. towards the end it says i will come to you pastor yeah and you will know at what time uh, you will not know at what time i'll come to you uh, it is it's as i said that uh, the coming like a thief basically the sardis it's historical reference and god's judgment how god is going to judge it's a limited judgment for that place how he will come uh, it's not known it is not the second coming as such it is god will judge in his own way you know god judged the israelites he sent them into exile so it's like that this church will also be judged uh i don't know whether it is clarified pastor you want to add anything to that um i think it is uh, coming uh, coming to you coming upon you it is that is god will account, uh, you know hold them accountable hmm and uh, you know uh, that's what he, he begins to say he will hold them accountable thank you pastor i think there's one more question yes oh, no there's a just thank you note okay if there are no questions uh, shall we close the session for today there are no questions shall we say this as our closing prayer grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from jesus christ who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead 
and the ruler of the kings of the earth, him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom, to be priests, to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, unfailing love of our Heavenly Father, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit remain with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen.